The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. But we got what it takes for the cycle to break. Revolution lives in me. I belong. I belong. Hi, you guys. Welcome to the Untamed and Unashamed podcast. This is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability, compassion, and openness that we can muster. Along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning, and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are, while also uncovering our divine gifts. I'm Jade Bryce, and I'm so grateful that you're here. Last week, I aired an episode about the nude tantric retreat that I attended and how transformative it was for me. It was the best seven days of my 37 years. Check that episode out for more details on that experience, but one of the really magical parts of the retreat was the sisters that I gained from it. We had experienced so much together, and I knew we'd have a bond forever. I mean orgasming together on the new moon, doing sex magic, giving each other breast massages and worshiping each other's yonis. That's a special bond and an incredible start to a sisterhood. Well, one of the amazing women I had met there and ate quite a few meals with is our guest today. She shared with me about how she has had Lyme for 15 years, but healed it through plant medicine and how she prepares women for an orgasmic birth. I didn't even know there was such a thing. So I knew I had to have her on, and I'm so excited to share her incredible heart with you today. She assists women in cultivating the tools to bringing their babies into the world in a healthy and empowered way. In her doula practices, she integrates hypnobirthing, yoga, traditional wisdom, conscious touch, Buddhist teachings, and mindfulness to guide women towards positive births full of presence and connection. The influences of her yoga teaching are also diverse, with roots in the Iyengar tradition and Vipassana, which is Buddhist insight, meditation, and branches out into laughter yoga, Vini yoga, and Pilates. Her teaching style is accessible, mellow, and playful, placing a strong emphasis on alignment, sequencing, breath, and inner awareness. Her approach is imbued with warmth, pragmatism, and the humility that has come with personal challenges and life experience. And that was also the energy I experienced from her in Costa Rica, which was unforgettable to feel from her. Please help me welcome Britt Foreman to Untamed and Unashamed. Hi. Hi, Jade. I'm so happy to be with you today. Me too. You're the first. I know that there's so many 
magical beings that were on the tantric retreat with us. Uh, there's a couple that I would love to have on as guests, but you're the first one. And I'm so excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> I shared about just, um, you know, just what a light you are. And so I'm just so excited to, for the listeners to experience that. And I'd love for it to start out by sharing your story and just, you know, how that light came to be. Mm. Well, I feel really blessed that I think I came in with the light and um, my mom often talks about how the main thing that she tried to do when I was growing up was just to stay out of my way. Yeah, <laughs> because I was I was clearly like a force of nature um, from a very young age. There's actually um, some a bunch of really funny photos of me running around in wrapped in saran wrap. Like, <laughs> where everybody else was wearing clothes, and I was like running. That's, around. that's so us. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, this all started at a really young age. <laughs> Like, absolutely no question of what direction I would be going in. That's so funny. Yeah. So in terms of the story, I mean, I know one of the things that we connected around was about the Lyme and um, kind of my journey from there. And so when I'm looking back right now and thinking about how I got to where I am, a big part of it has to do with... Uh, how I went through the experience of being so unwell for so long and also living really well during that time. Mm. And um, I think, you know, part of it was, well, first of all, I didn't even know that I had Lyme for many years um, in, into that journey. Mm. And it wasn't until I went to India to study yoga that I got connected with my nervous system on a really deep level. And I started to have a sense that there was something really wrong. Mm -hmm. And I had already been a doula and I'd already been into witchy medicine and, you know, I was very devout yogini. And at the time I was living like a very kind of clean life and wasn't um, taking any like drugs, alcohol, medicine of any kind. And Lyme just kind of shot me through this, uh, this portal where I, I was living in this place of really um, constantly having to choose between natural medicine and Western medicine. And, um, and that was a really big initiation for me because I had already known and felt that Western medicine had been very harmful to my body. Mm -hmm. um, and yet, everybody said that that's what I really needed to heal. And so I kept kind of going back and forth and doing both. And I got to a place where I was in a tremendous amount of pain and I was kind of done being in so much pain and just kind of biting the stick and getting through it because I always knew myself to be really tough. And so I was just like, I don't need pain meds. I don't need this. I don't need that. And then eventually I was just like, fuck it. I, this is wearing me down. I need meds to help me with the pain. And so I tried like every pain med you could try and they all made me feel horrible. And my boyfriend at the time was like, you're Miss Natural everything. <clears throat> why are you, why are you taking all these drugs? Like you can't drive your car. You can't like live your life because you're taking all these drugs. It's like, why don't you use cannabis? And I was I kind of had like felt like I had sort of like evolved beyond beyond cannabis, but I was willing to try it because I really didn't like the way that any of the other stuff made me feel. 
Mm-hmm. And that was a really big turning point for me. And it wasn't that the cannabis um, took away the pain. Mm-hmm. It was more that it helped me shift my experience of the pain. Mm. And it helped me move into my body more and it helped me connect a little bit more with pleasure and with play and with kind of lightening up around the pain. Mm-hmm. And that was like a really, really big turning point in, in that journey where I then gave myself permission to use medicine to help me feel better, not just to help me like get rid of the virus or the bacteria or whatever the fuck line is. Um, But it helped me just go beyond. And then it started to open up a, a feeling of openness inside of me around trying other things. Mm So I got introduced to laughter yoga by one of my friends. And have you tried laughter yoga? I had never heard about it until your bio, until I read your bio. So now I'm super, I'm super intrigued. Yeah. Yeah. Well, laughter yoga is really, it's, you use like laughter exercises, just like you would use yoga asanas or breath work. Mm -hmm. And so you pretty much what you do is you make yourself laugh and your body doesn't know the difference between when the laugh is fake and when the laugh is real. Mm -hmm. And as you probably already know, laughter is like a coping mechanism for a lot of people. And it's also a way to get, um, endorphins, oxytocin, and serotonin going. Mm -hmm. And so I started to go to these laughter yoga classes and I would feel so much better for not just that moment, but for days after I would feel like a a really clear chemical shift. Mm. So I immediately became trained in that method because I was like, this is, this is magic. And this is going to help all the pregnant people that I work with. Cause at the time I was attending a lot of births and, and doing a lot of birth education and teaching prenatal yoga. And so that fit in really well to see how, um, bringing more light into the birth space was helping people. Yeah. And especially in just the preparation for birth, because as you know, a lot of people are really surrounded by all this negativity and doubt and fear. Mm -hmm. And so the laughter really helps to elevate the experience. So it really started to change things for me. And I just started to really feel how I could generate my own light, Mm -hmm. that I could bring myself into these states where I would start to feel better. And, you know, all those little bits and pieces were working, you know, a certain amount, but I still was like completely desperate. And I felt really stuck health wise and socially, emotionally work wise. And I just got like this, I'll never forget it. I was driving in my car one day and I just had this like messaging, like you have to talk to God. Mm. And I had already tried like hypnosis and, and, you know, all the yoga, the, the Buddhism, all the meditation I could, you know, get my, myself into. And I just, I couldn't access God in a way that was helping me. And I just knew it was through ayahuasca. Wow. And it was not, it was not now where now you can just like, you know, make a phone call and next <laughs> week in a ceremony within 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> it was right. Especially in San Francisco, um, which is where I live. And 
it took me like six months to get into a ceremony, but I was like really, really meticulous about trying to figure out like who would be good and, yeah. and, and finding so people that had space for me. And from my very first ceremony, and this was in 2014, it, it just, I knew that it was the path to healing for me. And I didn't get caught up in like knowing like how it was going to, Mm-hmm. heal me I just knew that it was gonna heal me and I ended up finding um a shaman who um worked more intimately with me and brought some really intense medicine back from the jungle that wasn't just ayahuasca but it was another plant and we I did a dieta with that and uh, a couple times um and it was the most horrific experience in the moment. Yeah. But as soon as I did that medicine, um, I could feel myself healing and I could feel that the Lyme was coming out of me. And I had a lot of ceremony. I did ceremony like twice a month for like a year and a half. Like, wow. really, yeah, really intensively. Like my whole life was mm-hmm. ceremony for a while, but it, it it showed me how I could use my my connection to the light that I just shared about mm-hmm. to move the darkness out. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so I really got committed to this practice of moving the darkness out with the light. And of course, there was like that physical darkness, mm-hmm. but there was also a lot of trauma um, from all the years of antibiotics, all the years of feeling horrible, all the years mm-hmm. of feeling like I lost my life to this really pernicious, you know, disease. And that's when I actually felt like I was like cured mm-hmm. and healed. And then that mm-hmm. just kind of catapulted my whole life in a completely different direction. And mm-hmm. I've, I've just continued to look for you know, opportunities to, to bring that, those learnings in and, and they've helped me a lot since then. Yeah. So, um, the medicine that you're talking about that you did dieta with is the tree with the white spikes. Yeah. They're not white. They're they're Well, I guess sometimes the trees have different colors. I didn't actually get to like commune with the tree when I did it, but yeah, it was that tree that we saw in Costa Rica. Yeah. Do you remember the name? Yeah. It's called Katawa. Okay. And so uh, just for the listeners that haven't heard of dieta, basically, if I'm understanding correctly, what you did with this is that uh, you fasted or maybe had a couple potatoes a day and you drank this every day, right? Is that what you did? Well, the the way that we did this particular dieta was that I had to um, do a diet for two weeks before I met this medicine that had absolutely no fat like literally no fat hard. and um, no salt, like all the ayahuasca diet stuff, yeah. but, but like to the next level. <laughs> um, but I remember the main thing I remember was, was absolutely no fat. And then, um, so I did that for two weeks and then did ayahuasca and then drank Katawa the next day. And then that was just like purging all day mm-hmm. and then did ayahuasca again afterwards and then did that a couple, a couple times. I'm curious because, um, you know, I've have friends that have gone to Lime Stop or gone to this clinic in the East coast, it's 25 grand and they've healed Lyme in that way, you know, but I'm curious because yours involved plant medicine that, um, you know, 
gives us new eyes to see as well. It, it like gives us a different perspective on things uh, while you're also healing. I'm curious if you got messages around Lyme specifically, like what its message was or why it was here or any downloads around that specific illness? That's a great question. I I think that what happened for me was that it was much more personal than like than the Lyme itself. It was really more about why am I in a pattern of chronic illness and suffering? Okay. So we we didn't even really like focus so much on the Lyme specifically, but why am I in this like Dante's Inferno with this thing that's living inside my body? And I could feel, as I've heard other people with Lyme say, I could feel like there was something in me that wasn't me. That's what but people have described it as like feeling like it was an entity that like takes over. So whenever I did hypnosis, um, I, I was doing this really um, uh, very, very effective method of hypnosis called depth hypnosis, which integrates shamanism, transpersonal psychology, mm-hmm. Buddhist psychology. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's super powerful. I want to do that. <laughs> yeah, you definitely want to do it. I can hook you up with some really powerful practitioners mm-hmm. of, that, of that method. But um, anyway, so through that method, I got I got really familiar with the feeling of there being an entity inside of me. And we did everything we could. And I was working with, with the people who are very high up in that method. And mm-hmm. we were able to hone in on the fact that there was an entity, but we weren't able to extract that entity through that process. Mm-hmm. And, and so it really was going in with the medicine. And what was really interesting was that every time before I did Katawa the first time, every time I drank ayahuasca, as soon as the medicine came on, I felt like I was being attacked. Wow. And it wasn't the feeling of being attacked by ayahuasca. Yeah. It was the feeling of something inside of me attacking me. And it was, it was like a different picture every time like one time it was like I'm being ripped apart by wolves and and another another time you know every time it had a different like visual experience but it was always like I was being attacked I would always feel the pain go way up I would always feel like destabilized in some way but at the same time like I knew I was on the right track did it feel like an extraction then because like no no. it didn't I don't think I would have healed until I took the katawa because the katawa is according to the shaman what they use in the jungle for the most intense viruses and bacteria Mm. and so she was like I've never worked with this medicine before but my shaman tuned into you and said this is what you needed to take and so I brought it back for you in a shampoo bottle and you know and let's see what happens and it was just like you know the first time I did it was like nine hours of purging like nonstop. wow like in every way like every way you could imagine purging it was yeah. it was happening and like we set up a bed next to the toilet <laughs> it was wow. really intense and so that happened four times mm-hmm. and um but after the very first time I drank that medicine, I didn't not feel attacked anymore. And mm. when I when I did ayahuasca, I did not feel attacked. And since then, you know, I've done ayahuasca a number of times and don't feel myself being attacked and yeah. felt really clear that that entity had left me. But in answer to come back to your question, 
there was a lot of ancestral stuff. There was a lot of lineage stuff. There's a, a pretty strong lineage in my family with chronic illness and chronic pain. Mm. And so a lot of it for me was actually clearing the, the karma of that lineage from my system. And also I had a grandmother who was really, really physically and emotionally ill. And I had to extract her tentacles from my nervous system and her energy from my nervous system. Yeah. We had to do some like really serious work one-on-one in ayahuasca. Like I could only do private ceremonies because it was so intense Mm -hmm. that the shaman was like, I can't, I can't deal with you in the group anymore. Like this is way too big to be in a group. So it was like a very methodical process of literally peeling off these tentacles and extracting my grandmother's energy from my body And uh, to the point where when we checked back in with my, uh, my ancestral line afterwards, there was like a a blank space. Yeah, Yeah, appropriately. So Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, I've been intimate with someone that has Lyme and Epstein-Barr, and I know that it's sexually transmitted, and it's easily... um, transmitted also through saliva, uh, the Epstein-Barr is. And so I've never been tested for those things, but there are times when I feel like a little bit crazy. Like I feel like, like, uh, just, I don't know, like something sometimes feels like it gets, it takes over, you know, and, and that happens during ayahuasca at times too, of like, that doesn't feel like it's from source. That doesn't feel like it's from spirit. It even comes in during ayahuasca at times. And I've, I've learned to know, you know, have energetic boundaries and all that. But, um, since realizing that I, you know, cause I didn't, I didn't know that it was sexually transmitted or easily catchable through saliva. So now that I have that awareness, uh, I have an ayahuasca ceremony this Saturday and really I have a, a lot of intentions, but one of them that I'm really seeking is, is an extraction of whatever that is, because I know I have some sort of, some sort of gut issue too. And, and that feels like, I remember one time taking ayahuasca and I, I like saw, you know, ayahuasca gets, you know, I like immediately, I like saw this like eel like parasite. And, uh, I heard ayahuasca say, I want to be the only thing in here. Mm. And so there's definitely something in there that I feel like I need a really, um, serious extraction from the shaman. Uh, so that's a big intention of mine. And all, but one of the the messages I got at my altar about that, kind of like you said about the chronic illness was, if you don't want to be a suitable host for a parasite, look for areas in your life where you have parasitic behavior. And that was like, that was a really, yeah. So that was a really strong homework assignment. And, and I started to just like, like, you know, once that question came into my awareness, it was like, Oh, I can see how this unintentionally can feel parasitic, you know, these little like things in different relationships. And so I started to make those shifts and then, yeah, this, we'll see what happens this Saturday. Um, Well, just one thing to respond to about that. So one of the big downloads that I got when I was in that process was that I had to make myself into medicine and that if I was medicine that there would be no room for that thing to live inside of me. 
And so I went through this whole process. And this is part of kind of coming back to this whole idea of the light and of pleasure and of the work that we do is that I had to really up level my own energy system to feel like I am, there is so much medicine inside of me. Like I am a hundred percent medicine. So if I am a hundred percent medicine, that pretty much makes me kryptonite against this thing. Yeah. And, and the other thing that I really learned in that process, kind of along with that is that I can't give it any energy. Mm. So when you said like that, you're starting to wonder and think, and, and the first thing that came to my mind was like, don't even give it your energy. Yeah, I feel that. Don't even like let it have that power because Mm. I, I really believe that that thing has, has consciousness and, and we can choose to give it our attention or not. And it doesn't mean the kind of blindly just denying its presence. It means like, what else can we do in our own energy body and energy system to make it so that we're just not available to that conversation. And that was, you know, when people ask me like, how'd you get rid of Lyme? And do you, do you have Lyme anymore? And are you clear? And all, you know, all these kind of very sort of Western medicine type questions. Mm -hmm. The place that I come back to is like, I got a divorce from a toxic relationship and I am not conversing with that entity anymore. Like, I don't know whether my test would come back positive or negative. I'm not going to spend a thousand dollars to find out. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what I do know is I don't have room for Lyme in my life anymore. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure that that, I mean, you can tell just by how you feel, you know, Uh, and I, yeah, I love that. The, the whole Joe Dispenza teaching of where where your attention goes, energy flows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I also wanted to just share and, oh, and then we'll close off the Lyme topic unless you have more to say. Um, maybe a month ago, I, I had a mushroom ceremony where, you know, because I've watched people suffer that are close to me with Lyme. So, um, I mean, it's changed, it like changed who they were, you know, because it inflames that fight or flight part of your brain. And so I, I, I think I even developed a a small amount of trauma, like just watching that. Whereas like, because we'd get invited out to a friend's farm and I'd be so nervous that there'd be a tick that would get on my kids or something, you know? And then, uh, I, you know, I went to this mushroom ceremony with my sister circle and that first hour on the mushrooms is always really hard for us. It's where all the purging comes and, and all of the, you know, you got to sit with all the grief and then, you know, you make it to the other side and there's so much freaking bliss and just (laughs) orgasmic, you know, pleasure. But, uh, you know, when we were in that, that place in the beginning where we're purging and we're just like, oh, in the grief, one of my sisters went and laid, we were out in the, in the wilderness. She went and laid in this, like, it just looked like a tick paradise and she was like laying in it like just wailing and weeping and like having her purge. And I just, oh my God, I was panicking. Cause I was like, I feel like I need to go. I mean, I was on the medicine, but I was like, I need to go check her with for ticks. Like she's going to come back in the house and it might climb off of her and onto someone else too. Like I need to check her for ticks. And I just was like really panicking. And uh, in that moment, again, you know how mushrooms work. I'm sure this like, well. this, this like tick came to me. <laughs> And basically showed me that it also has 
a higher consciousness. Like it knows, um, and this isn't to gaslight anyone or make anyone victimize anyone in any way, but it, it knows who needs its specific medicine because in some way, sickness is also an upgrade and that it's a part of our purification as, as like wonk, as like crazy as that can sound. Um, and that like, we're in this big, uh, collective shift and that a lot of the autoimmune diseases that are people are having, whether it's from a tick or from a sexually transmitted thing or from, um, all the vaccines or birth control we were given when we were teenagers, you know, whatever it is that in whatever we're dealing with right now, it's a part of our, um, it's a part of our upgrade. It's a part of our purification. And that's really hard to take on when you have a sick child or when you, um, want to protect your child from the sickness, whatever it is, it's really hard to take on as truth. But yeah, I wanted to share that and see if you had any thoughts. I'm open to that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure it's hard to like think of as truth when you've suffered so much. Um, I, mean, so- I definitely feel like getting that sick put me on my path in a way that I wouldn't have gotten on my path otherwise. Hmm. But I don't know that for sure. <laughs> like, yeah. it, you know, it's also feels like I wasted like a decade of my life battling it out. And I went into great debt and, yeah. and it left a mark on my body that I have not figured out how yeah. to undo. And it's been eight years since I've, you know, kind of, or maybe like seven years since I've really felt free of it. And, mm-hmm. and I still feel it's mark. So, um, yeah, I'm open to that as, as a perspective. And I do think that, um, I mean, we see this so much with the pandemic and we don't need to get into it. I know we kind of share some similar um, beliefs around it, but um, but I do think that when we get caught in fear, we are more uh, likely to to be a host. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah um, sure. and that when we are focused on really taking care of ourselves on all the levels mm-hmm. that um, that we are less likely to be a host. And yeah. I also think that some of us are really hardcore witches and medicine people, medicine carriers, and that that's the way that a lot of us get initiated is is you know the path of the wounded healer yeah Um, yeah so I understand that I know my healing capacity much greater now than I ever would have otherwise like I wouldn't have met my husband had I not gone to through the whole ayahuasca portal um I mean and not and very indirectly but I I think that I would we wouldn't have gotten together had I not open myself in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope, I hope, um, I hope, you know, I say that with the utmost care. Oh, totally. I know, oh, yeah. Totally. I, okay. I get what you're I battled with it myself and I didn't yeah. feel like you did with it. No, so. I, I feel how you're holding that in a really tender way and that you're not coming down as an authority figure saying <laughs> this is definitely how it happened. Yeah. I think it's really important for us to be open to all kinds of different perspectives and mm-hmm. to not just think that things happen because randomly, like I randomly got bit by a tick and I randomly got this sick. And mm-hmm. I mean, I do also believe that there is some 
consciousness in the universe (laughs) that is, um, you know, guiding us in whatever direction we're going in. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you mentioned that it also led you to meeting your husband and I know that you experienced the deep loss there this, I believe in March, um, September. Oh, September. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I would love to go into, because you just still radiate so much joy and you exude pleasure. And I just, I'm so curious how you were able to still find that place within yourself. yourself. Uh, I feel like, man, my friends would have to be scooping me off the floor. So yeah, I, I would love to hear about that, how you, you were able to access pleasure through so much pain. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been such a journey. And again, another massive initiation and up leveling of my own capacity to be medicine and to hold space and, and to, you know, to be a witch to the next degree. And it it really, um, it was, you know, first of all, I'm just so grateful that I had this foundation of really deeply studying the the Buddhist Dharma for 20 something years before Eric got sick and died. Mm -hmm. And so I had that foundation of this real understanding of compassion, acceptance, suffering, how we create more suffering for ourselves, um, all of that. And really the, the, the being with what is like, just like, this is what's happening. And there is absolutely nothing I can do about it. I mean, I fought my ass off for two months while he was sick, and put every bit of my own vital energy and the spiritual and energetic field of everybody in my community. Um, But when once he was gone, I knew that there was nothing that I could do besides choose to live. Hmm. Because I could see how people die after their partners die. I could see how people want to die. I could see how, um, I could see like that image of the widow, you know, just like shriveling up and dry and gray and where, you know, my business is called the juicy ladies and I'm in my forties and I'm still trying to have a baby. baby well um when he died so I'm like okay if I'm really a juicy lady (laughs) if I want to have a baby which means that I'm not ready to be a crone yet like (laughs) you know like I can't I can't let myself like it I mean I definitely felt like it aged me but in in kind of some beautiful ways Mm -hmm. um but I just was like he's dead and I'm alive what the fuck am I gonna do and Mm -hmm. and so so that was just like one thing that kept coming up for me. But, um, you know, there were a couple like pivotal things that came up. So one was that right after he died and even leading up to before he died, one of my best friends insisted on doing a GoFundMe so that I didn't have to worry about money. Yeah. So that I could just take all the time I needed, get all the support that I needed and 
I didn't have to cook for myself. I didn't have to provide food for myself for like four months. Wow. And I mean, I have such an amazing community. So I got so much love and support. I got so much and still do body work, acupuncture, chiropractic, mm-hmm. energy work, EMDR, mm-hmm. medicine ceremonies, like everything that you could think of. I, you know, I did private yoga sessions with my mentors, like every, every healing modality I could access, I did because I had that support and I didn't have to stress about money. So that was Mm -hmm. one thing. And I could just take care of myself. Um, But the other thing was one of my dear, another dear friend after Eric died, um, she's really big into Mama Gina's work, and I know yeah. you are too. And I, mm-hmm. I listened to the great episode you had with her. And anybody listening that didn't listen to that episode, you should definitely oh, listen to it because it was amazing. Um, but my friend um, has gone through the School of Womanly Arts, and mm. that's a place where we really connect is around um, Mama Gina's teachings. And she just said, you have to, like, the way that you can stay connected to Eric is through your pussy. Mm. and this was just like days after he died and I was just like fuck you know because I actually hadn't touched my pussy or connected to my pussy the whole time he was in the hospital he was in the hospital for two months because I actually knew that if I connected with my pussy it would mean that I would feel more and I was already feeling way more than I wanted to feel. And I I was feeling way too much, but she, but the way that she put it just like, this is how you're going to sustain a connection with him in the beyond. Like you can keep making love with him. You can keep, you know, the, the love that you have alive through your pussy. And immediately I knew she was right. And so I went back to my pussy and it was unbelievable to feel how he was right there (laughs) Um, and so energetically available. And, and I would say that was the way that up until our retreat in Costa Rica, which was totally life-changing for me. um, Up until that point, that was really the only way that I was connecting with Eric was, I mean, I would talk to him and I would do rituals around around him and his passing. And, and so I, but it was the only way like in sex, I guess with myself, but really not with myself, like with him that I really felt him. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. And that was just like a big light bulb. And then 
pretty much like six weeks after he died, I was like, what the fuck am I going to do with my life now? Like I, I had no idea. I felt so completely untethered and lost. And, you know, the majority of my work had been in pregnancy and birth preparation and doula work. And uh, I knew that I needed to take a little break from being so immersed in pregnancy because it was a trigger for me Yeah, Um, because we were trying to have a baby and, and my baby daddy was gone. Yeah. So, um, I was like, fuck, how am I going to make a living? (laughs) And, and I, you know, I've been on Layla's email list for years and have done some of her courses and, um, had actually wanted to do this training for years, but he kept saying, Oh, you already have this great career. Why do you need another career? And, and um, do we really want to spend the money on this? We're trying to have a baby. Like, <laughs> we don't have a lot of money when we're trying to have a baby. And so he just kept kind of, you know, gently pushing it, you know, to the side. And once he was gone and I had the nest egg that family and friends had, had given me and I needed a direction. And I also needed a way to make a lot of money so that I could be a single mom living in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So it was like this whole confluence of things. And I signed up for the program and immediately, like last November, like I signed up for the program and immediately I was like, oh, this is it. Like this, yeah. is, this is how I'm going to re, how I'm going to breathe life back into my life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so every, every single, you know, every single module that we've gone through has been a way for me to heal my grief through pleasure. And then it's just rippled out into my life. And it's, it's, you know, pulled in all these tools that I shared at the beginning of all these things that were already through lines and threads. And so everything's just like coming together in this big, like fountain of, of pleasure now. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one thing that really, I mean, I had the same feeling signing up. Uh, what it was like the moment I sent the money, like the moment I made that first payment, there was this moment of this is it. Like, this is it. This is what I'm here for. And I mean, like you said, in every module, it feels like a deeper and deeper initiation. And then of course the, the, uh, retreat itself. But the big thing that I think was like in the very beginning, it may have not even been in a module yet. It may have just been one of the intro talks that really just blew my mind was that, trauma integration can be pleasurable mm. because for me, I, I had had so much trauma and had tried so hard to heal it, but I was ripping myself open nonstop because I thought the trauma had to be as intense as the, the healing had to be as intense as the trauma. Otherwise it wasn't going to get it all, you know? And then like starting this course and finding out we can tap into our grief and heal it through pleasure Oh my God, it it was life changing. Um, so I love I love that story of how you use pleasure to heal in such a and and I know that one of my and the I saw Layla's Vedic astrologer, and he said that one of my soul lessons is to understand suffering, and it feels like we might have that similarity. Uh, <laughs> it's not a fun one, but it really yeah, it really feels like you've come to understand suffering and to s- still find your pleasure, you know, to not let it steal your pleasure. And that's just so powerful. You really are a juicy lady. 
It's no secret that shame-free sex and pleasure are powerful avenues to deeper connections and an overall sense of well-being. And accessible, expertly designed toys can play a big part in getting you there and making you feel more alive. Dame is leading a sexual wellness revolution as a women-powered resource for game-changing pleasure products and supportive content. Started by a sex educator and an engineering whiz, Dame develops her products based on research and feedback from people like you. They're making better sexual experiences and more pleasure available to all. Dame's easy-to-use toys and accessories are made with body-safe, doctor-approved materials and smart design principles, and they've earned glowing praise from the New York Times, the Today Show, and many more, including me. Whether you're looking to shake things up with your partner or upgrade your self-care routine, they've got something for every nightstand. Even better, Dame offers three-year warranties and hassle-free returns within 60 days, so your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. And I will guarantee you satisfaction because I use their products myself. They're amazing. My favorite one is their suction toy. I call it the clit sucker, but it's uh, spelled A-E-R. It's called air. It's a powerful arousal tool for fans of oral stimulation. It creates thrilling pulses of air and a soft seal around your clitoris. So you can go all the way right away. Guys, I have like eight to 10 orgasms almost every time I use it. I use it during sex and in my own pleasure practice. You will not be disappointed. They're also sending me a bunch of their other products. So I'll keep you updated. But as of right now, this one's my favorite and I highly recommend it. Go to dameproducts.com and use code Jade today for 15% off your order with Dame. Now on with the show. All right. So speaking of that, I would also, you know, I know you said that you're, you were, you're transitioning out of this, but I did uh, have a lot of people that were excited about the part around preparing your vagina for birth in a way that can make it orgasmic. I had never heard of that. I didn't know that childbirth can be an orgasm. So I would love to just touch on that for a moment. Yeah, well, I'm actually, that that is the place that I'm really staying in the pregnancy space is through this course, Preparing Your Vagina for Birth, because it is so linked to what we're doing in the Vita coaching. And and it's the part that I'm most excited about because it's the part of pregnancy and birth and postpartum that nobody talks about, but everybody wonders about. Yeah. And so in, you know, over 20 years of being a doula, I had, uh, I attended close to 500 births and wow. worked with thousands of women um, through my prenatal yoga classes and workshops and uh, photo shoots and uh, all different ways. I was teaching hypnobirthing. And so there's, I've worked with thousands of pregnant people. And I just, again, you know, when you ask people how they're feeling, when you really get in there, one of the things that everybody's worrying about, or most people are worrying about is what the fuck is going to happen to that part of my body? And am I ever going to be the same? And I'm going to be peeing all over myself? Or am I going to rip? Am I going to rip? Am I going to be ruined? Is my partner going to desire me? Am I ever going to want to have sex again? And, um, And so that was just what I saw, like a really, really deep need for addressing those questions and particularly also realized in my own practice as a doula that the women who had more of an embodied connection to their sexuality, an empowered connection to their sexuality, 
tended to have faster, easier, more positive births. Wow. So I just started to notice a theme because I've been doing birth work long enough that I could sort of see these threads, like people Mm -hmm. that talk openly about sex, women that had stripper poles in their bedrooms, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people that were into kink, BDSM, people, you know, a lot of queer women who had to go through processes of really like uh, discovering their sexuality and not just taking it for granted, Mm -hmm. but people in general who are sex positive, tended to overall have more smooth, enjoyable, empowering births. And so I started to, this is actually where I first desired to join this training that we're in right now is because I started to see how much people were shut down around their sexuality. And it is your sexuality that births your baby, right? And we forget that because it's in our culture, it's everything is separated and, and siloed off, right? And when you go into the hospital, it's like the least sexy place you could possibly be unless you're, unless that's your kink to like <laughs> do it in front of strangers in uh, fluorescent lighting with your feet in stirrups or whatever. <laughs> most, most women do not, and people with pussies do not um, feel turned on by that kind of space, especially mm-hmm. with how, what the power dynamic is and the lack of consent and mm-hmm. um, just the general lack of personalization in, in mm-hmm. that space. And so um so one of the one of the goals that I've had is just to help people bring their sexuality back into birth. And for some people, it means connecting to their sexuality for the very first time. For some people, it means connecting to their pussies for their very first time, because most people have thought of their pussy as for somebody else first. Yeah. yeah. And this is one of the things that I discovered after teaching this workshop for long enough is that most people have not even thought of their pussy as theirs first. Yeah. And, and so in this, uh, in this practice that I've created, we spend a lot of time actually just connecting in with the pussy and, and tuning into what they actually desire and um, what works for them and how to set up boundaries and how to create a container that actually feels supportive. Like when you're talking about orgasmic birth, most people in our culture are a million miles away from that being a potential because they're so cut off from everything else. So it's not just like, there's not like a formula for orgasmic birth that says like, oh, well, if you, you know, just sit around and rub your clit and keep the lights down, you're going to have an orgasmic birth. Yeah. It's not that easy because first of all, if you have sexual trauma that you haven't dealt with Mm -hmm. or you haven't dealt with in the context of, of, giving birth. So mm-hmm. some people think, oh, well, when I had, when I got raped in college or, you know, I had this sexual trauma in my family line, like I talked about that in therapy like 10 years ago and I've like dealt with it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, I'm really glad that you did that work, but it might be helpful to revisit it now because this yeah. will probably be the first time in your life that you are not in control. Mm-hmm. And you're feeling uncomfortable in that part of your body, mm. right? So, yeah. it, so birth tends to be a trauma trigger for a lot of women. Wow. 
and and there's not enough conversation about how to deal with that ahead of time. So if I had my way, we'd all be doing trauma work prior to conception, including doing ayahuasca or at least mushrooms, you know, like doing plant medicine to help us understand what it is to be out of control and to feel safe and and the beauty of expanding in into the cosmos, right? Mm -hmm. And and feeling at one in that expansion with the cosmos, which Mm -hmm. for some people is sounds super hippie and new agey, but it's totally what happens during birth. And and a lot of people, one of the reasons for not wanting to try psychedelics is because they don't like the idea of not being in control. And so you can see that as a bit of a trauma response as well. And I'm thinking too, that, um, you know, at the same time, a lot of people have talked about their sexual trauma in therapy or, um, come to more acceptance or understanding of their trauma in ayahuasca or mushrooms, but in neither situation have they actually completed the stress cycle. And so it's like, it's, it's all of them. It's not just one. And like completing the stress cycle, I feel like is until you do, it's like still in the body, you know? And so it'll show up in the birth, like you're saying, but okay, go ahead. Go on. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's showing up in the birth because there hasn't been this like embodied return to power. Mm -hmm. And, and what I notice is that a lot of, I live in San Francisco, so I have like a very specific category of people that I work with because, you know, it's a very expensive city to live in. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so people tend to work really hard and there's like a lot of doing that happens here. Like if we mm-hmm. lived out in the country, it would be different. It would be people that have like a, a, you know, just a very different kind of lifestyle. But everybody here is is packing everything in, even with like the workouts. So one of the things that I notice is that people, t- women tend to think that they are regaining their power in their bodies through things like CrossFit, um, really intense physically demanding exercise that is very masculine. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I can see how that might be kind of good in other aspects of your life. But when you have been squeezing and tightening and gripping and working your body really hard, Mm -hmm. it gives you a feeling of being empowered, right? And so I get that for some people, especially with trauma history, it's like, I'm powerful now in my body. Yeah, but there's like a missing link in a couple of ways, because one, what you're doing is you're building up all the muscles around the baby. So everything is super tight Mm. and you're not practicing letting go. You're not also going to restorative yoga class, you know, three times Mm -hmm. a week. You're just going to the gym. Mm -hmm. You you can't open in that way. If all of your work has been about strengthening and tightening and turning muscles on, you have to also learn how to turn the muscles off. Yeah. And so that's another piece that I notice is that people who know how to relax mm-hmm. have more space for pleasure. Because as you know, as we we talk about in Vita Coaching and as mm-hmm. I've been talking to people about for years, um, tension is what causes pain. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of people, well, this is also, you know, based in hypnobirthing that when we have fear in our minds, we then create tension in our body and that tension yeah. and resistance in our body is part of what creates that pain cycle of birth. Yeah. So, so people have so much fear in the mind 
about mm-hmm. birth, about losing control, as you said, right? And then there's also this whole um, fawning thing with the patriarchy that mm-hmm. we get really caught in, right? Mm-hmm. They're fawning to the hospital providers. They're even fawning to their home birth midwives. Mm. So, so that's like this whole other thing that isn't happening that is standing in people's way. This is why orgasmic birth is like a unicorn in birth. <laughs> No, because, you know, there's a great book, there's a great movie about it, there's a lot of resources about it, but there's so many layers to it, you can't just order it from the cosmic waitress. And, you know, just decide that that's your birth plan, like, there's really a lot of work. And so this is what I teach is how to relax, how to get into your body, and how to be in your body in a friendly way, in a loving way, in a tender and soft way how to see, even if you don't totally relate to yourself in the, um, in the feminine end of the gender spectrum, this is a time to really go towards feminine because feminine is soft, feminine is juicy, feminine is more expansive, more about opening and allowing, and that is how our babies can get through us the most easily Mm -hmm. when we just let ourselves soften and open and then we can be available in that relaxed state then we can be like oh pleasure is actually there if Mm -hmm. I just relax because your baby is pressing against your pleasure anatomy yeah right and so but you have to take the fear out of the space that's the whole big you know hold up of all of this besides the trauma is just all of the fear that keeps us from being able to open and relax Mm -hmm. a big part of what I teach here is understanding how fucking resilient your pussy is yeah and like she's actually pretty tough (laughs) actually way tougher than people give her credit for I don't know why people call each other pussies as a put down it makes no sense absolutely do you mean resilient do you mean super tough (laughs) she could take a bang in literally (laughs) right yeah and and, I mean this is what our bodies have been doing since the beginning of time like if you look at one of the things I tell people to do is Find your favorite mammal and look them up on YouTube and watch them give birth. Wow. And they're not freaking out. They're mm. not stressing. If if they're like left to be, they're just like moving their bodies, making weird sounds, you know, and then suddenly you just like see this giant thing come out of what was a small hole. And and so that can be like just a really good reminder. So, so much of what we do in the, um, in the class is actually return to the animal, mm. return to being the animal and make sure that we have created a birthing space that helps the animal of us feel safe. Yeah. Right. We want to, we want, you need to have a doula, a midwife, a, a supportive partner, whether it's your, you know, your, your life partner or a birth partner and to have enough education and understanding of birth that you can really embrace the process and be ready for all those, you know, it's just like when you do plant medicine, it's like, you want to have a guide that 
can normalize what's happening when it seems really scary. Like the first time you throw up on, you feel like you're going to throw up on ayahuasca. It's like really fucking scary. And so, I mean, and, or the 50th time you throw up (laughs) or whatever, you know, it's really scary. And so to be in a container where you feel really safe and trusting makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Yeah. That was beautiful. Thank you. I, uh, I have a six and seven year old. I don't want to have another one. Cause I, I like, you know, I want to take them traveling. I don't want to start all the way back over and I'm tired and like all these things, yeah. but hearing stuff like that, you know, cause I didn't, I didn't feel like I had a supportive partner in my birth process and, you know, they were C-sections and, you know, hearing, I, I interviewed, um, a holistic OBGYN like a month ago and then talking to you as well. It just makes me want to like experience that as like, you know, maybe I'll get to this place where I feel, okay, I'm ready for another one. And then I would love to have that as my experience. And I'm, I'm so excited also to witness yours, you know, Mm -hmm. that you've given it to so many women and then for you to be able to have it yourself is going to be really beautiful. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah. So I have an audience question and I don't know if this is something, um, that you'll for sure know about. Um, Mm -hmm. I had never thought about it, but she said, is there any way to use anal play or anal sex to stretch the perineum? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. So, well, first of all, it's really important to not just focus on your perineum. Okay. Because it's the whole yoni that's stretching. Mm-hmm. Perineum is definitely the place where we tend to tear the most, mm. um, but we can also tear off to the sides and we can tear deeper in. Mm. And so w- the first thing that I'll just say is when you're preparing for birth, don't have all of your attention just on the perineum. Actually, I brought my pussy puppet. Hi. So feeling we might be talking about this. <laughs> and so, as you know, like the perineum's down here, but sometimes the baby will like come out with their elbow next to their head or or, you know, even a hand next to their head. And the next thing you know, you're feeling pressure over here. Um, So first part is getting really connected to your whole pussy, and feeling empowered to, you know, give pressure and support to the to the whole area. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in the preparing your vagina for birth uh, class, we actually prepare the whole entire vulva and internal anatomy. Um, But the anal part is actually really cool. And not a lot of people really want to talk about it because it's such a charged subject. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. But what I will say um, is that people who are comfortable with anal, like people who can really go into that intensity of anal, because I know that for women, um, it's a very charged space and it's like harder to open in that space. So if you can kind of master opening your anus, you can handle the intensity of birth more. Okay. Okay. Because you're familiar and you have pleasure, you have an imprint of pleasure and intensity. This is why my clients who've like been into BDSM and like more intense sexual experiences have, in my experience, smoother births or births where they can accept it more is because they associate pleasure and pain together, Hmm. right? And there's not so much like 
ish about like, oh, well, pain is bad and pleasure is good. So I have to only have pleasure and not have any pain. Like, you know, our culture is so quick to just erase all pain as quickly as possible. Right. And so we lose out a lot when we don't and this is one of the beautiful teachings that I've gotten in, in my journey is that there there is wisdom in the pain. And sometimes pleasure can be just right on the other side of pain. If you just sl- make a slight shift. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in birth, it's like if you can just be with that sensation that at first you think of as pain and relax into it, you might find that it actually feels good to let yourself open. Mm. And so we talk about all different ways to do that. Sometimes it's like making out with your partner, touching your clit, all that, you know, there's like lots of, of, of methods, but for people who have anal experience and it's positive anal experience, Mm -hmm. that whole space has definitely practiced opening. Right. And so I'm, you know, my understanding is that if your anus is expanding, so is your perineum, Mm -hmm. um, But I think it's more about how the birthing person responds to what happens during birth, because one of the things that happens during birth when you're really getting close to your baby coming out is you feel like you've got to poop. If you're if you're birthing without an epidural, you will feel like you're about to take the biggest shit of your life. Mm. Right. And if you're used to having anal sex, you're used to having something in your anus, it doesn't freak you out as much. Mm. Because you're like, oh, I know how to feel sensations in my anus. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like in in Vita, we, you know, we did all this um de-armoring, right? Mm-hmm. And that's like a big process for a lot of us for trauma healing and yeah. just healing in general. And I think that when when people are having anal play, that there is a sense of kind of de-armoring that space and reclaiming and embodying that space that then help them to welcome the opening more. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I, you might be surprised, but I've never had anal actually myself. I'm, I I don't, I just haven't been in a situation where I felt safe enough with someone. So, but I, um, I will plan on starting with this anal plug that I just happen to have right by my podcast area. (laughs) (laughs) It's staring at you. (laughs) This is a little intimidating to me. Yeah. I would start with something soft personally. Like I have, I have one that's like, just like the size of my finger almost. And and that's just less intimidating. I mean, the only thing that's been up there is an enema stick and I really didn't like that. And that's about the size that you're describing. So, or even just your own finger, you know? Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we digress. (laughs) Easily. So on that note, uh, before the lightning round, I'd love to talk about the magical and transformational experience that we had in Costa Rica. Um, I aired aired a recorded a solo cast about it that aired right before this episode, but I would love just to hear any of your downloads or just maybe one of your favorite moments. And it can be a a favorite moment there or a way that you integrated back home, whatever you want to share. Oh my God. I could talk about that forever. Right. It really was one of the best weeks of my life. And, um, you know, I was very particular going into that. So it started exactly nine months after Eric died. So Mm -hmm. 
being a birth person, Mm -hmm. I really saw it as a birth portal for me. Wow. And I really set the intention going into that retreat that I wanted to uh, complete the like very concentrated, acute part of my grieving period and birth myself into this next phase of my life where I was ready to go back out into the world and meet another partner and engage in my sex life outside Mm -hmm. of my sex life with myself and, Mm -hmm. and just to kind of come back into the world. So And for me, like one of the greatest things that happened was Eric showed up in almost every practice. I had different ways in each of the practices to deepen my relationship with him and my knowing of what his medicine is in the Mm -hmm. beyond. Mm -hmm. And actually in some of the partnered breathwork sessions, my partners also got to meet him and also got to then align with him as a guide for them too. Wow. He his whole journey on this planet as well as in the beyond was really about bringing forth the safe and sacred masculine to support mm. feminine healing and so oh. and I were working with that in in ordinary reality and then um when he died he sent me a message that was like, you know, I want to continue to help you do this work and mm. I want to work through you with all the women that you work with. Wow. And so we got to practice that in such an incredible way. And he actually, in our last breathwork practice, did a handoff with the next person that I'm going to be with. Wow. Yeah. And he gave this next person his blessing and his instructions. Hmm. And, um, and then, yeah. And then some really amazing things happen after that (laughs) you fill in the blank for but um but I think that beyond you know so the main healing that I got was that I'm still in a relationship with Eric but that it is a cosmic relationship it is a spiritual relationship and that I don't have to get over it Mm. to move on with my life that I can Mm. move on with my life with Eric as my spirit partner as my cosmic husband Mm -hmm. and that I can have an earth husband that I can have earthly partners and um, not be betraying that relationship with Eric and also not needing to um, forget about it or move on from it but just to have a a knowing of what he's there for and what we can continue to do together and it's just it's given me the freedom to now feel like I can not be so much in grieving, but be in celebration um, of his magic because his magic is is so alive and well right now. And yeah. and I think that that retreat in general connected me with magic mm-hmm. and the magic that I can generate myself. And when I think about like what it is to really be a witch and to be a witch whose main medicine is pleasure. Um, and you know, all the ways that we just talked about that, um, that I need to really know what magic is. And so in that retreat, I really understood like what sex magic is, Yeah, all the ways that it can be applied and all the ways that I can use my own sexuality to 
befriend myself and take care of myself and love myself and heal myself and then also help other people do the same. Yeah. Ah, that's really good. Uh, and I, I really wish I partnered up with you. <laughs> well, maybe we can partner on some practicums. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. So there's a few short questions I like to ask everyone who comes on the show. The first one is if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say? I would say that your pussy is for you first mm. and take your time to really get to know what feels good before you share her with someone else. Oh, so good. Yeah. If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? Um, well, definitely the whole world of women and anybody that wants to relate to pussies, I would have them read Women's Anatomy of Arousal by Sherry Winston. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? Again, I think it would be listen to pussy mm. and respect pussy. Yeah. Because even if you're, even if you're not interested in pussy there's a lot of teaching that you can get yeah, from pussy so much wisdom yeah, yeah. Oh, and if we all lived from that that wisdom yeah okay before I let you go where can people find you online if they want to connect with you how do they do it yeah they can do it through the juicyladies.com yeah the juicy ladies and I'm also the juicy ladies on instagram Perfect. I just love you so much. Love Thank you so much day. for sharing all of this. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. It was so much yeah. fun. All right, you guys, I just freaking love her. Ugh. Like one of the things that was really hard about coming back from the retreat. So I was like so lonely without all of them, because even though I have wonderful sisterhood here, we're not giving each other breast massages and worshiping each other's yonis. <laughs> and I just miss, I miss that type of, it's like, I don't know. It just, it was such a sweet little pod. And uh, I think we're going to have a little reunion and I'm excited for it. And I'm, I just loved getting to share her magic with you guys. I would love to hear your feedback. It would mean so much if you wanted to support the show. It would mean so much if you left a review. I would love your feedback on this episode specifically. And it would also mean a lot if you hit subscribe, if you shared this episode with a friend, even if they're not preparing for birth, a lot of us will come into contact with someone that is. So this is wisdom that we could all use. You could also support the show through supporting a um, sponsor of the show. One of my favorite sponsors is Gene Keys. Uh, Richard Rudd is so amazing. And my episode with him is one of my favorites. He has a lot of programs that are just, uh, he has one on love, one on prosperity, one on dreams. But if you sign up for anything using this link, I'll get a small cut. So that's one way that you can support the show and support me. The link is Gene Keys, G-E-N-E, genekeys.com forward slash the dash dream dash A-R-C forward slash R-E-F forward slash 1707 forward slash that's also in my instagram bio and it's on the show notes so that makes it easier for you and then the best toys for sex at dameproducts.com code jade gets you 15 percent off and 
I love the suction toy. That's my favorite. It's called the Air, A-E-R. I actually like to pair that with my pleasure wand or yoni egg practice. Uh, I just before the show used it with my yoni egg where I was pulling the string of my yoni egg to where it was moving on my G-spot, my goddess spot, while having the um, suction toy from Dame on the clitoris. And it was amazing. And I also teach women how to use pleasure wands and how to use yoni eggs. They are profound. They're, I mean, they're just so amazing for also de-armoring that area of our bodies. So that is wands, W-A-A, nds.com code jade for a discount there as well and then all things infrared at higher dose code jade 75 for 75 dollars off thank you guys so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me it would mean so much to me if you would leave a review or share an episode with a friend you can also join me on instagram at untamed and unashamed podcast as always be a light stay open and remember you belong here Mm -hmm.